everybody. Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. So here, okay, actually, before, before I say here we are, uh, I did want to say that we have uh, voting, or rather submitting for uh, the More Than One Lesson top 50 movies of all time list. That is done. Uh, and the list has started to be posted at morethanonelesson.com. We are, for the next, by the time this, yeah, yeah, we're, for the next few days, we're posting five movies at a time, but then when we get to the top 25, we'll be posting three movies a day. Each one will have its own little blurb about why it's so good and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, it's, I've seen the, the final list. I am the only one that has seen the final list. None of my co-hosts have. Next week, we are going to do an episode uh, about the top 50, uh, zeroing in specifically on the top 10, because that will be, those will be the only films that have not been revealed by then. So... Uh, very excited. I like the list overall. There's a couple things uh, here and there that, that I would think like, eh, I, I would not include that myself, but uh, I submitted my 10 just like everybody else. And, you know, it's, uh, it's fa- although I, I did also, I was also the tie-breaking vote in a lot of instances. So that was my contribution. Uh, but yeah, so you can go to morethanonelesson.com and you can check out what, is, uh, what has been announced now. And then also... Uh, there is a new review of the BFG by our old friend from many, many, many episodes ago, Bobo Chang. So uh, he was the only one that could make the screening and uh, was see- and seemed very excited about it. So uh, you can find all that more th- at morethanonelesson.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at More Lessons. Now, we're going to be talking about the best picture of 1963. Here we are. By we, I mean me and Josh Long. Josh. Hi. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Best Picture 1963. So. Not since 1996 have we been so, and arguably 85, have we been uh, so eagerly anticipating this, uh, the, the best picture that we would be talking about. And even then, 85, that wasn't a film you were dreading or anything like no, that. No, not so much. Now, on the list of the best pictures, uh, what, what do you think is the worst best picture? Uh, Let's go top five. Let's go top five. Okay. Okay, and you don't have to do them in any particular order unless you have a strong opinion about what the worst one is. Yeah. Um, Tom Jones is, is almost always on there for me. Okay. Now, I, haven't, I had not seen it in years, probably since college. So I was kind of eager to like look at it again and maybe okay. so, so uh, we'll get to this, I think, but I think it's still on my list. Okay. Uh, English patient for sure. But those are the only ones that really stick out to me and not liking. Okay. Um, I'm not, well, I think I already said recently, I'm not that big of a fan of Oliver. Sure. Um, I haven't seen it for a while again, but the great, uh, the the greatest show on earth, yeah, which is fifty two. That one, I I generally don't like that much. Um, I know people talk about uh, around the world in eighty days being one of the yeah. worst ones. I don't remember disliking it that much, yeah. and part of me is interested to see it again because uh, there was a movie that recently came out called Cantinflas. Do you know anything about this movie? No. It's about a this Mexican actor who was like huge in Mexico in the 40s mainly I think okay. he did a bunch of these slapstick comedies but he's the one that played 
uh, it's David Niven, right? In in uh, yeah, it, he's like David Niven's sidekick. Oh, okay. In the movie, and that was kind of like a big deal for there to be this actor from Mexico who's a big star there to kind of cross over to Hollywood for him. So I'm I'm kind of interested to see it knowing that now, but uh, but that might be on the list. No. Um, I don't know. I can't think of any others. I know you're you're not mind. a huge fan of Gigi, right? Yeah, Gigi's pretty bad. I feel bad that a bunch of these are in the fifties. I mean, I guess we're coming up to that, but that's it like is odd how much we have bashed the eighties. That the fifties are the ones where, yeah, and a lot of the ones in the eighties, like they were decent movies that year. They just a lot of them don't stand out so much to me. Right. A lot of them are are very are, are fairly standard. Yeah. Um, best picture material, which brings me. To Tom Jones. Yes. Now, I watched it for the first time a few days ago, and I was all ready to hate every moment of it based on what my quote-unquote friend, Josh Long, oh, had prepared me I for. I was going to say who? Uh, so, what I will say is I liked it a lot more than I was expecting to. That's not to say I think it's a great movie, but I, as somebody who prepared himself for a really trying off-putting experience um i actually liked it much more than i thought Hmm. i was going to uh it is the story of this uh not so much not so much an orphan kid but a kid who's been a foundling a foundling yes yes (laughs) uh who it's hard to even explain the story because story doesn't matter that much but what what uh, what century would you say this is in? Is this the 1700s? Yeah, the novel was uh, came out in 1749. Okay, okay, and there's no reason to think that it was a period or anything like that. It was, you know, in the mo- so 1700s. This uh, this kid, he is uh, left behind by his mm-hmm. parents. He and he is found. He is a foundling mm-hmm. by uh, a, a fairly well-meaning uh, aristocrat. Yeah. But not like a not a super high up aristocrat. Uh, the it's, it's always hard to tell with these British aristocrat. He, yeah. He's like landed gentry anyway. He's got yeah. a, a house in the country and yeah. the, and all that. He's going to be fine. And, yeah. Um, but the people that the reason that I ask if he's a if he's an aristocrat is because a lot of the people that they deal with, you know, they've all got the wigs and they seem uh, upper crust, but also they are farmers and they still there's still an element to them mm-hmm. that seems kind of crass yeah um one could say it's almost like they're uh, like they're new money like they're <laughs> they're you know just bumpkins that just that just got money and they're yeah. trying to figure out what to do with it um so this kid grows up to be tom jones played by albert finney and he is a, a good-looking guy. Not with a, Tom Jones, the singer. He not, not Tom Jones to be uh, no that Tom Jones. That'd be a much more interesting movie. Oh, I man, gotta that'd say. be fascinating. Um, if, if it turned out that Tom Jones, the singer, was like two hundred years old. <laughs> oh wow, that'd be kind of amazing. Uh, so, and uh, so Tom Jones is a good-looking guy, a well-meaning guy, kind of a uh, sort of lascivious. Uh, all the women want him. All the men want to be him. That second part might not be true. <laughs> um, and he just doesn't really fit his attitude doesn't really fit in with what is considered you know the norm um and it's mostly that it's it's these little wacky adventures that he gets in yeah and here's very episodic isn't it it is very episodic here is why i like it is that 
And, and I think this is also why I think the Academy embraced it. You know, the year before was Lawrence of Arabia, and then there are just there are other movies. This is the same year as Cleopatra, and so many, uh, and Ben Hur was a few years before. Period pieces that were very serious and uh, took themselves very seriously. You get to Tom Jones, and it is not serious. It has all the trappings of something serious, but it isn't. It's goofy and enjoyable and high energy and what's more is that and this is what really struck me is that the director tony richardson who has only directed uh one movie that i have seen which is look back in anger with richard burton which is a pretty good movie but he also made the loneliness of the long distance runner which i've heard is great it's got tom courtney in it and blue sky i believe was his last film which is 1993 or 4 for which jessica lang won best actress oh wow so um but he's He's done a lot of stuff. The loneliness of the long distance runner is that it's an Iron Maiden song, which I, I assume is. Connected. Do you think the song came first? I think so. One guy was just noodling on his guitar, <laughs> and uh, Tony Richardson says, "Hey, wait a second, what's that called?" Uh, it was supposed to be a tie-in, but uh, they couldn't yeah, get the rights or they whatever. Couldn't. Uh, but this, uh, the film is particularly filmic. That's something that really jumped out to me. You know, it's an adaptation of a very old novel mm-hmm. at this point, you know, a couple hundred years old by, this, yeah. uh, by the time the movie was made. Um, and it could have just been so, I don't know. It could have been such a slog. They could have just directed it in a very forward way and just a very... Uh, just very boring even though they're telling a story about a guy a young guy who's kind of upbeat and stuff they could have just directed it in a way that didn't utilize the medium of film Mm -hmm. they do not the introduction of the film is shot like a silent movie which i love Mm -hmm. i love that they did that there's no reason for them to particularly do that except that it's kind of awesome Mm -hmm. and it definitely sets a certain type of tone yeah um they also do, later on, they do some goofy Benny Hill stuff that uh, seems appropriate for uh, the time mm-hmm. that it was made. Um, and then they also do things where uh, they acknowledge the camera. And they yeah. don't merely talk to the camera or wink at the camera, but there comes a moment when Tom is going to uh, have sex with a lady, and so he just kind of glances at the camera and then throws his hat over the lens to cover it. Um, the narration is is uh, very knowing and very meta and there comes a moment and anytime they make reference to Tom about he's about to have sex with someone the narrator comes in and says well thankfully the censors will not allow us to show you what Tom did next or whatever and so they're acknowledging the fact that this is a movie which again this is not that's not a thing a choice you expect for a powdered wig situation i was reminded of a slightly less extreme Tristram Shandy. Have you ever seen that yeah, from 2006? Yeah. I was reminded very much of that. Mm-hmm. And I also, and I know that that is also based on, uh, I think, an older novel even than Tom Jones. And, and that's one where I find myself wondering if that would have existed in the form that it did if not for Tom Jones. I feel like it, it took a lot of its cues from this film. Um, 
So those are those are all the things that I like about it. And there are a couple of sequences that are just that are actually very cinematic. There's a sort of a fox chase situation, mm-hmm. um, and you know we can get into individual performances and, and other things. But uh, but that's what I that's what I like about it. And there are things that I don't like about it. There are things that keep me from really loving it or even really, really liking it. But there is enough here for me to say, for me to sort of understand why the Oscars embraced it as a best picture because it was classical and new at the same time. Uh, and there's, uh, I don't know, there's, there's enough for me to understand why critics still enjoy it. Um, and we'll get to the things that I don't like in a moment, but uh, but yeah. So, so you said you haven't seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, upon rewatch, uh, more or less favorable, or the same? Um, I'd say more favorable, but I s- I still don't love it. Yeah, <laughs> I think some of the I can appreciate some of the meta stuff. I always kind of like things like that. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's there's something in that the breaking the fourth wall stuff uh, the 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 uh, the silent sequence at the beginning like a lot of that's fun and yeah. it's kind of kind of interesting ideas some of those things I don't like like I I don't like the fast motion stuff when they end up doing that yeah um, I don't really like when they do the sound effects I, I feel like some of it is like a it feels to me like comedy that hasn't uh, that hasn't aged well. If that makes sense, uh, that's I could see that. It's a, it's very nineteen sixties. Yeah. The idea of and speeding things up yeah. seems very sixties. And that's me. not across the board, but that there are a few some of the techniques that they use and some of those things I I don't feel like uh, right. work very well. Um, and then, but but. Uh, I, I did see some performances in it that I forgot that I liked. I always like Hugh Griffith. Is that his last name? Yeah. Yeah. I, he is always a dependable actor and I felt find him always to be funny. So I enjoyed him in it. Um, <laughs> he's like always playing over the top. I feel like that's just, he is, that's who he is in a movie that can be described as over the top. He leaves even the movie behind. <laughs> yeah. Just, I can't even begin to, uh, to describe what his performance is like. Yeah. Yeah, it's odd. The uh, character has no discernible human emotions. <laughs> and and as such, no inhibitions. Yes. <laughs> at the, isn't the first time he's introduced when he just like runs in and is just shooting at somebody who's on his property? He's like, I don't know who it is. And he he shoots like 15 times. <laughs> like you see Tom running away and you hear, you hear a couple gunshots and you're like, oh, he got away. But they keep coming. Yeah. That's like, funny. That's a funny choice. Everything with that character is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, some of the things that I, that I don't really care for is that the film is so light, uh, that I also don't care. I think that's the big thing for me is that, you know, while I have a sense of who Tom is and I am rooting for him, uh, in a general sense, uh, I, I don't, I don't care about anything that's happening. There's on really not any weight to anything. And the fact that it's kind of episodic and never has any real, uh, any strong arc throughout, I yeah. guess you could say his, his, uh, love for Sophie yeah. is sort of the, the, um, the fact that it goes all the way throughout, but 
you don't care that much about them, especially because he's constantly sleeping with other women. Yeah, it's hard to be uh, to like root for their love story to come uh, to come through. It does come through to a certain extent, um, partially because I think Susanna York is something of a grounding influ- uh, mm-hmm. element of the film. Um, it does come through in that I am. There, there's a sort of a comedy of errors, sort of a farcical element to it in that these two people want to be together and then so much in life is conspiring to stop that. Mm-hmm. And so just the fact, I think as a viewer, instinctively, anytime I see forces pulling two people apart that want to be together, two people that are likable um, and seem to really care for each other, regardless of how invested I am, I naturally want to see that happen. I want mm. to see that come together. And so I think the film is effective in that way. So to the degree that I am able to care, that is what I care about. <laughs> um, I have a question for you because you are, I'd say, better versed in Shakespeare than I am. As I was watching this, it felt Shakespearean. And maybe that's a function of the original novel, mm. but it just felt like you know Midsummer Night's Dream or just one of his lighter comedies mm-hmm. um it sort of felt like that to me well there is uh, a, a lot of shakespearean comedy has that kind of body quality to it and body it dep- that's the word i'm it, looking for it depends on the play obviously and the way it's done but even nowadays you'll see some kind of shakespeare where they'll really play up the those yeah, elements, yeah. sexual uh, elements and things like that so i feel like it has a little bit of that and probably then the novel is inspired by things like that things yeah. like a i don't know a 12th night or comedy bears like you said earlier um, so yeah, I, I, I'd say there is a little bit, bit of that. I think, I feel like plot wise, it doesn't hang together as well as most Shakespeare does. Cause it kind of goes all over the place. Right. Um, and I think there aren't as many, um, I feel like maybe none of the characters have real moments where they have to make important decisions <laughs> in any yeah. kind of real sense. Yeah. Like everybody's always making decisions, obviously, but I, like like I was saying before, it very little of uh, what happens has any weight to it. Yeah, and uh, and so I will I will mention the film won Best Picture, Director, Adapted Screenplay, and Music. It was nominated for Best Actor for Albert Finney, Best Supporting Actor for Hugh Griffith, Best Supporting Actress for Let's see here, uh, Diane Cilento. 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 Pardon me, uh, Edith Evans. And Joyce Redmond, so three uh, Best Supporting Actress nominations. Wow. Uh, and it was also nominated for Art Direction. Um, I only know that was her name because there was some uh, something I watched where a guy was talking about the movie, and he said it that way, and I was like, oh, all right. That's very specific. I don't know anything else that she was in. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so I... It's hard for me to say, you know, what it did and did not deserve. What I will say is that um, Albert Finney is an interesting actor to me. I've always found him to be, and maybe it's just when I was born. I was born by, by the time I was born, he really wasn't doing a lot of stuff. He was mm-hmm. not the big name. He, he kind of showed that he was not the Peter O'Toole, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just this, the charming British actor that, that is almost legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a working, consistent British actor. It's like uh, a blue collar Peter O'Toole. He kind of is. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he got, you know, plenty of Oscar nominations. He was, he was very well respected, but I feel like you'd be hard pressed, uh, to have people cite him as, 
not necessarily their favorite actor. Some people probably might do, uh, might do that, but uh, but cite him as one of one of the greats. Even if you said one of the British greats, I feel like people w- he wouldn't come to mind immediately. Now that's not to say he's a bad actor. I think right. he's. I thought he was great in Miller's Crossing. I love him in mm-hmm. Murder on the Orient Express. Um, he's in Under the Volcano. He's too, in Under the I've Volcano, which I have never seen. I was looking it up. Uh, directed by John Huston. Yeah. And it's a film that I definitely want to see. I'd like to see that too. He's also in a wonderful film called The Dresser. Have you seen The Dresser? Is that the new one that just came out? No. Okay, that's You're all You're thinking I know of. of The Shallows. Oh, that's it. <laughs> so. Uh, no, no, there's a new movie coming out where like Anthony Hopkins dresses. Uh, no, no, it's the other way around. Ian McKellen. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, that is a, it's based on a play and mm. this movie was also based on, okay. on a play. So the play is called The Dresser and then, um, and the movie was made in 1982 or three, 1983. And it's got uh, Albert Finney in the uh, Anthony Hopkins role mm. and Tom Courtenay in the Ian McKellen role, both oh. of those, both of whom were nominated for Oscars that year. Oh, wow. And, uh, and Albert Finney is really great in that. There is a, I think there's a, a certain bombast to him mm-hmm. that makes him a very good, you know, Poirot and uh, yeah. makes him very good in The Dresser. Uh, and that he doesn't really have in Tom Jones. It's a, this is a much smaller performance than I'm used to seeing from him. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I say that in a good way. He has to be that, that, uh, like, he has to be leading man. And yeah. generally he's not playing a, like, that type of leading man. And if he is the lead, it's usually when it's a character part, yeah. like a, like a Poirot or something like yeah. that. Um, I think that was, I think that might be the thing is that he is a supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, a character actor. Um, who occasionally, just because of the time that he was was acting, just was elevated to lead on a regular basis. Um, and but this is a genuine leading part. I believe he was only 27, 28 when he played it. Wow! And I think does a, a pretty good job because when you have something as episodic as this film, the constant is him. Yeah. And so you need him to be all of the. And when you have so many people talking about how good looking he is, what a nice guy he is. Uh, how body he can be. Um, you need an actor that can embody all of these things. Uh, if if he doesn't come across as genuinely upbeat and just and and positive and all of these things, if he doesn't come across that way, then anytime these other characters describe him like that, your natural instinct is, who are they talking about? Yeah, which would be a funny idea in and of itself. If there was sure, a, <laughs> a movie where people were constantly talking about how charismatic and likable this character was, and then it was just the most like sad sack <laughs> like wet blanket guy no charisma uh there is a there is an episode okay there was a show that only lasted six episodes called andy barker pi starring andy richter oh yeah have you seen it i haven't but we used to carry it at the warehouse i used uh, to work at i was always curious it is all available on hulu plus so i would highly recommend it because it's very funny and i believe episode two or three um Andy uh, is uh, he's an accountant, but also a private investigator, and he is playing golf with one of his clients, who's a very large man. He's about four or five hundred pounds, mm-hmm. and uh, the man winds up ha- having a heart attack, and people suspect foul play, and so Andy's talking to various very beautiful women who all just talk about this guy like he was just the most debonair just the most <laughs> attractive gorgeous man they've ever seen and then Andy just 
is just c- totally confused. <laughs> and then when it, and then his own wife talks about him that way, <laughs> and every time every time uh, they do that, Andy just like flashes back to like a slow motion shot of this guy running, <laughs> and it's very very funny. Um, and and it actually wound up subverting some of the obvious you know fat jokes that the yeah. that the show could could have made, uh, which I think is kind of amazing. Um, yeah, it would have been it would have been strange if uh, if uh, Tom was played by Charles Lawton or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but yeah, and and I think he does. Uh, I think Albert Finney does a very very good job. It's tough because there's not much to the character. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of depth. And so naturally, I when a when an actor is nominated for a performance that doesn't require a lot from them internally, I always wonder, well, why are they nominated? But then I realize that uh, for all the reasons I just described, the nature of this character is that you need to, with e- in every second, every second you are on screen, you need to embody all these things that are being said about you mm-hmm. um, and take all these elements that aren't necessarily disparate, but you take all these elements and you have to unify them into one consistent character. And I think he does. Mm-hmm. And so his performance is is a pleasure to watch. I think all the performances are pretty solid with, I think, I think the, so. the highlight being uh, Hugh Griffith. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any that I don't like. I don't love the guy who's Bliffle or Bilfil or whatever. David Warner in his best in his, in his first performance. I don't love him. Hmm. I actually liked him quite a bit. He's not he's not bad, but I don't know. He's there's a there's a, a simpering quality to the character that I mm-hmm. think he pulls off fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, and David, you know who David Warner is? Probably. Uh, you've seen him in you know a million. Th- he's in The Omen. He was in okay. uh, Titanic. He was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two: Secret of the Ooze. You've yet to list a movie that I like that he's in. <laughs> Titanic is a good movie. I don't I like will, it. <laughs> I will defend. I will defend that movie. It is not a good script, but it is a good movie. Um, and his character is actually maybe one of my least favorite parts of the script, but he's a guy that has been in a million things mm-hmm. and he's one of those, you know, him if you see him kind of, yeah. um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind his, uh, his performance, mm-hmm. uh, in it. Um, an argument could actually be made that he could, that he could have, and maybe should have overplayed the character. Mm-hmm. You know, if we've got Hugh Griffith, we, we have enough characters in there that are played up mm-hmm. and that character definitely could have been uh he plays him as as a real life weasel uh and he could have <laughs> real played him life as, the, as the essence of a weasel and just, eh, just just and like being very proper but also just yeah the exact opposite of what any woman would want because he's <laughs> sort of the suitor uh for Sophie, the the alternative. You know, part of maybe one of the things that I don't like about the film is I feel like there have been other movies since then. Like maybe this was one of the first ones to take something that was in a period mm-hmm. uh, setting like that and to make it silly. Because I feel like since then I've seen other movies that I like better that kind of oh sure play that uh, sort of silly thing. And I I think I personally don't like the frenetic silliness quality to, quality to it. There's a, there's a choice is often in this movie to go with handheld that I, I don't like. I don't, and I understand, I think he's trying to create that frenetic sense. He's trying to make yeah. it be energetic and everything, but it, I really don't like it. And a lot of times that he chose to use it. And I, I think know. I respect his choice more than I actually enjoyed. It's mm-hmm. arguable how much it works, yeah. but considering again, this film could have been very stuffy, even though it's a comedy, 
they could have said, yes, it's a comedy, but it's a comedy from 200 years ago, obvious, which is to say it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know what? Let's just treat it like your standard powdered wig. Again, this very stuffy kind of thing. Um, but they don't. Like he, he really does, as I said before, he really does try to utilize the fact that he's making a movie mm-hmm. and what that can do, what that can allow a filmmaker. Uh, he really tries to utilize that to undercut some of our expectations uh, of a film like this. And I think I, I respect that. It doesn't always work. Um, it's arguable how much it works in general. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, I think I respect it. I'll say this. It, I'd be intrigued to see somebody make the movie now. Yeah. I feel like you get the right director in there. And this could be... Because I think the material is strong enough mm-hmm. that... And I think this film probably lays some of the groundwork that I think any filmmaker making it now would have to at least match, not necessarily the freneticism, but the willingness to experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we are, this sounds terrible, a bit more sophisticated in what different filmmaking techniques will mean uh, emotionally for the audience, um, now that we're, we have a, a deeper understanding of that, I feel like they would have a better sense of of what exactly to do to best get the emotion, uh, get the reaction from the audience that, that this film was trying for. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, people at the time really loved the movie. The yeah, one, it was very popular. Critics loved it. Critics still love it. You know, won all these Oscars. Um, so you and I might be in the minority. But again, I did like the movie much more than I thought I was going to. Mm. Uh, we do need to move on. So the other Best Picture nominees for 1963 was America, America, Cleopatra, How the West Was Won, and Lilies of the Field. I have seen exactly none of them. I think I've seen Lilies of the Field. That's, That's with Sidney Poitier. Yes, okay, he won I Best Actor for it, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't remember too much of it. It's all right. I mean, and he he's a good actor, so I'm, I think it's his performance is a lot of the movie, but... And I've actually never had much of a desire to see how the West was won. From what it sounds like, it is that its big contribution is that it is it's a, a star-studded, huge cast western. Yeah. That that is that. Have you ever wanted to see all these western stars in one movie, all at the same time in the same place? There yeah. you go. Which um, uh, which is funny, knowing that this is the same year as it's a Mad 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 World. Which I was, was going like to say that yes, the comedy equivalent of that. Yeah. Like you just want everybody together at the same time. Um, but yeah, so having seen none of these, uh, sure, Tom Jones, why not? Um, <laughs> Didn't isn't Cleopatra one of the ones that famously lost a whole bunch of money? I think so. It was a huge budget, and I think it was. St- I think it still made a fair amount of money. It might uh. have made the most money of that year, just not enough. Yeah, um, but I'm not sure exactly. Um, so we'll just have to move on to other notable 1963 releases. So looking at this list, you've got Eight and a Half, uh, The Cardinal, which I've heard is wonderful, but I haven't seen it, The Great Escape, HUD, aforementioned It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, Lord of the Flies, uh, The Pink Panther, Shot Corridor, which is a movie that, uh, that we saw so, for movie night many years ago, um, This Sporting Life with uh, Richard Harris, uh, Irma La Duce, uh, Duce, right? I think that's how you say it. Um, is it French or is it Italian? If it's I think it's, it's, I think, I think it's Italian. If it's Italian, I think it would be Duce. And if it's French, it would be Deuce. Deuce. But I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I don't, um, I don't remember what the movie's about. All I know is, uh, Jack, Jack Lemmon's in it. it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think Billy Wilder directed it. I think you're right. Um, so yeah, uh, looking at these, it's, it is not, in my opinion, the strongest film year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there are only a few of these that, again, this is a, I'm looking at a much longer list, uh, but those are just a few of the things that jump out at me. Um, mm-hmm. I've not seen HUD. I know a lot of people really like it. I do really enjoy It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. It, and I feel like it could have been seen as best picture material just because of the, the scope the of it. The scope, yeah. I can um, see that. And then that uh, is that's one of my that's one of my favorite movies of the sixties. That's a good yeah, comedy. It is delightful. Uh, great escape in there it's, too. It's wonderful and twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> goes on a bit a bit longer than it should. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen the Great Escape. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That it almost surprises me that something like that isn't nominated for best picture and possibly. I mean, maybe audiences are at a point in the sixties here now where they're tired of seeing World War Two movies. Yeah. Because it was you know so big for so long uh, maybe there was some sort of uh, uh, maybe there's a reaction against it but that's a I feel like that's a solid well-made movie and it's it's got a lot of good characters in it I, I don't know it's a, that's a good movie so and I, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Flies I think uh, it's a really great adaptation of the book um, there's the one that you and I talked about for uh, with Dark Knight yes the the older one yeah I think I had seen the 80s one first. Or is it the 90s? I think it's 90. Okay. 1990. Okay. And um, then um, I, mean, I saw that one afterward, this this one. Yeah. And this one is quite good. Uh, eight and a half. I've, okay. So that's considered a classic. A lot of people love it. Um, I think it regularly shows up in the sight and sound top 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never really responded to eight and a half. I understand really? everything it's trying to do, and mm-hmm. I appreciate everything it's trying to do, and I think it's even doing it well, but for whatever reason, I just do not respond to <laughs> it's it. It's just not for you. Um, do you, I, you don't love Fellini in general, This right? is the only Fellini fi- uh, Hang on, is that true? Have you seen... Uh, this is uh, the only Fellini film I've seen. You haven't seen La Dolce Vita? I thought no. we watched it for movie night at some point. Okay. You might have, but I might not have been there. No, maybe not. Um, um, because I'm like, I'm not going to see this uh, Fellini <laughs> stuff. Um, no, I've, I've been, I've heard that I would enjoy that one especially, but that I would enjoy a number of his other films, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, possible. He's one of my blind spots. Mm. Um, but yeah, eight and a half. I, again, I, I respect it and I understand what he's trying to do, but for whatever reason, it just does not work for me. Yeah. Um, I understand that. Um, the leopard is another one that that's a Burt Lancaster, right? Yeah. But it's Italian. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. He's, and it's super long, right? It's, it's over three hours, I think. But wow. Martin Scorsese has said at one point that it was one of his favorite films, if not his favorite film. So that's interesting. I've seen it once. It's been years. Um, I feel like it's good, but it's like an Italian gone with the wind. And so wow. it's, those are some big emotions. Yeah. And <laughs> no offense to Italian listeners, by the way. <laughs> There's a lot of, I, I feel like some of the poli- socio-political climate of the whole thing is lost on American audiences. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, which, as it was on me, not saying that I'm an expert on uh, 1800s history in the, in uh, Italy, but yeah. I, so I was like, I don't totally understand what's happening. I got that it was uh, people who started out kind of rich gentry and kind of moved down to right. more like the world changed, so they had to change. And that's always an interesting, yeah, thing, yeah, kind I of mean, a Magnificent Amberson sort of thing. I was but, gonna, that's just what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, by the way, when you said Italian Gone with the Wind, my first thought was like, "Where will I go? What will I do?" And then just shut up at your face. <laughs> that's what I picture. Um, once they, again, no offense to any Italian listeners. They really latched onto that. I will never go hungry again. <laughs> How about the spicy meatball? Better not. Um, so okay. Um, yeah, this is a this is a rough. This is actually kind of a rough year because um, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of these movies. The ones I have seen aren't 
really best picture material. Uh, I haven't seen any of the other best picture nominees. So Tom Jones, sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, I would give it to probably Lord of the Flies of the ones I've seen. I'd probably give it that. Um, or it's a mad, 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 mad world. I enjoy that. Um, I, I, for me, if I'm going for a goofy comedy winning this year, I feel like that's the one I yeah. would vote for. I enjoy that comedy more. But that's, I mean, comedy is subjective. But if you are going in general, what would you go with? I, of the ones I've seen, I might go The Great Escape. Although okay. I, do, I do like Over Eight and a Half. half. Okay. So that's that's a, a toss-up. Um, I feel like Eight and a Half doesn't have the same emotional punches that Great Escape does at, at times, but I feel like it's... Uh, it's a little more cerebral and there's some, I, I like some of the comments on art and film and art artists, filmmakers in it. Okay. And Marcello Mastroni is always fun to watch. So I get, okay. So this is, I think this is where we're going to, going to leave it. It's a very strange year and I feel like we haven't hit that many of these where I'm not super familiar with the other nominees. I'm not super familiar with the year in general. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is one of those ones that I feel like, I feel like most people don't know. I mean, yeah. even even down to the fact that like as hard as it was for us to be able to find any of it to rewatch it. Like if yeah. you want to find if you want to see this movie now, you got to like order a DVD off of Amazon. Yeah. There's you cannot watch it online. Uh, I don't think you can it's buy not it streaming on, uh, anywhere. I don't think you can like buy a digital no. copy of it. If if you can, I couldn't find a way. Yeah, it is a chore to find this film, which I, I feel like speaks to either a major uh, distribution company is trying to get the rights or the company, the studio just does not see much use in putting it out. Yeah. Um, well, I can see it being hard for them to hype anything else in it besides that it won best picture. Cause yeah, I, but that could be enough. Maybe, but, but it's like Albert Finney's not enough of a big draw for yeah. modern audiences for them to care that much. There's no one else in it. Who's more well-known than he is. I don't think to general audiences at least. To general, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that at the time, and for some people, Susanna York was uh, very exciting. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do feel like... Um, no one's it would, clamoring. It would have to be like a Kino or a Criterion. Yeah. Who is trying to appeal to people like us. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if... if if I Criterion actually happen. released this movie, I wouldn't be surprised. I it, I would say it almost seems like it's too goofy, but they just announced that they're going to be releasing Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, so all bets yep. are off. Yep. <laughs> Um, so, okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's the thing is if someone said, Hey, I was thinking of watching Tom Jones, I'd say, good luck. <laughs> uh, I hope you're willing to commit to a DVD purchase because that's what you're going to get. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if, if your local library had it. Um, yeah, that's it seems possible. like the kind of movie that the library would have. Yeah. Um, and I know that I believe they did make a mini series of it a few years they ago. They did, yeah. And based on just images, because I, I, I didn't watch it or anything like that. I didn't watch clips from it. But just looking at shots from the movie, it, from the, the, the miniseries, it looks so much more like what I'm talking about. It looks so much yeah. more stuffy and stiff. It's and boring. And just boring. And, when I, and it might not be, but I feel like it probably is. <laughs> in, in an attempt to make it respectable, mm -hmm. they throw away whatever could make it fun. And I think looking at that, and of course this is based purely on the images and that kind of thing, I might be totally wrong, but if it is the way it looks, then 
that is why this movie is so interesting to me is mm-hmm. because they could have gone one route whether they could have gone the respectable route the classical route but they went a different way and that choice not while not always successful for me is one that uh, that I will that I will always appreciate it. coming at something obvious from an angle is always uh, appreciated by me so uh, so I think we will go ahead and leave it there next week we'll be talking about the top 50 movies of all time and as of right now it will be me Josh Robert and Reed it will be all four of us uh, Avengers Assemble, Josh. That's from a movie I'm What's sure that? you haven't seen. I don't know what you're talking um, about. But yeah, uh, I think... And then in the meantime, you can go to morethanonelesson.com and you can check out the top 50 as is. See if your submissions made it on. Uh, or as you're, as you're looking at it, you can think, oh, why didn't I submit my top 10? Oh, I'm so terrible. You could think of that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Then you can ask God for forgiveness. I don't think it's technically a sin, but who so knows? he will not forgive you. Oh, that's that's right. <laughs> he only forgives sins, but like faux pas, he will not. No. Well, he's holding on to those till the end. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, okay. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. We'll get you next time. Bye. <laughs>